Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. Thank you for joining me. This episode is scheduled to be released on Monday, the 14th of November, 2022. If you are listening to it in that week, then please do bear in mind that the application deadline for the doctorate in clinical psychology for the clearinghouse applications is 1pm on Wednesday, the 16th of November. I'm sure that won't have passed you by but I just wanted to get that on your radar. So today's episode is a guest episode and I am joined by Alicia Hussein and it would be advantageous for you to listen to the episode on values um, if you haven't done so already. That is episode 42 of the podcast so if you haven't listened to that it might be useful for you to do that and then come back here for episode 49 but if you want to plow on regardless please do. Um, So Alicia and I met on LinkedIn and well you will you will find out um, how and why we got chatting but it's all about values and um, we decided it would be useful to have um, a conversation about um, Alicia's culture faith and background and how they align and how she keeps striving for her values as an aspiring psychologist um, whilst staying true to her other values both personally and professionally too. I hope you'll find it super interesting and super useful. I know I did Um, and I will catch you on the other side. Hi, welcome along. It is our first guest episode for a while. I'm delighted to introduce you to Alicia Hussain. Hi Alicia. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you also for giving me the idea originally for the values-based podcast episode. Um, Very welcome. I think when I kind of put out a LinkedIn post, I feel like you're really active on LinkedIn and I always kind of like your posts and things like that. So it was really kind of helpful to have that episode to kind of help me with thinking about values. So that was really helpful for me. Good. I love LinkedIn. <laughs> I do. I, I can't. I can't. I can't deny it. Um, but yeah, thank you for being um, involved and engaged with me on there. So, um, but then after that, we thought, well, actually, this is really interesting to think about you specifically and some of your values. Um, and specifically, we thought it might be useful um, in terms of your career, but also um, your culture and your background. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think it's always nice to kind of. Um, like watch your podcasts and and think about people who've kind of always already been through that journey but I think it it'll be really nice to kind of share share my journey and hopefully when people listen to it they can either relate to it or or maybe kind of think about the differences or like just inspire them around their own journey so hopefully it can have an impact on people. Absolutely I think it's so useful when we are working in mental health to be able to have you know examples of um people that we can kind of hold as case studies so if people don't know much about um you know your faith your culture or you know how it might be for, even for someone living in a different part of the country um you know it's useful for people to have that awareness um so i think it's yeah thank you so much for doing this but um also we realized in our discussion before we got started was that you are our first aspiring psychologist on the aspiring psychologist podcast which feels a bit wrong so yeah I'm sorry it's taken me 10 months to get here um but I know we had Rose who is a trainee but you were our first 
non-trainee aspiring psychologist so yes thank you so much for for coming on um and if you're listening to this episode or if you're watching on youtube as well um and you're thinking oh i might like to come on the podcast i'm an aspiring psychologist please do get in contact with me um and as you as as alicia said you can't miss me on socials i'm dr marianne trent most places so don't be shy do get in contact or just engage with my content we'll get into conversations and marvelous things can happen so alicia tell me a little bit about yourself um, a little bit personally a little bit professionally if that's okay yeah so um well where do I start so yeah so I suppose um I'm Muslim by background and um I've kind of been pursuing psychology I'd probably say since school um I think kind of outside of psychology I kind of just like to kind of focus on my own well-being I've started to try to be more persistent with going to things like gym and things like that and hopefully something that I can kind of get back into so I have been kind of trying to take some time to look after myself um I think my journey within kind of psychology started probably in school um so I was really lucky to do psychology as a GCSE which I think when I did it it wasn't really heard of so it was this new exciting thing and yeah, it really kind of interested me. Um, but yeah, I think when I kind of started looking into it, I found it really helpful. But I think when I had my own kind of difficulties with mental health, it, it really opened up my eyes around what I want to pursue in the future. And I think having my own experiences of mental health really kind of guided me in, into this career pathway. And I'm thinking about how I can um, move on from my experiences and how I can reflect on my experiences to kind of help others. Um, so yeah, I suppose when I when I started college, I, I did psychology um, as an A level, and I was volunteering with Childline at the time. So I find it a really helpful experience to be able to kind of have some direct contact with young people and, and start kind of giving back and, and using the things that I've experienced and, and using my knowledge to kind of help other people. Um, uh, and then kind of going on from that, I, I started in in university, did my psychology degree. Um, and also kind of started building up my experience. So I was really lucky to have the experience to, to volunteer. So, so yeah, so when I was uh, volunteering um, alongside my degree, I, I volunteered in, in a place called Pause, which is a mental health drop-in uh, centre for young people. Um, and it was one of the most eye-opening experiences I've had because not only kind of just working with young people and supporting them but just kind of how a service that's so easily accessible can have such an impact on young people's lives so I really kind of enjoyed just getting to know people kind of working with people and 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 kind of getting my head around how things worked and and having that opportunity to kind of support people and actually learn more about psychology in the process so for me that was really powerful um uh, I had the opportunity to to be employed by the service, which was was really amazing, to be honest. And and I loved my time there. So um, I would just kind of work with people when they kind of dropped into the service around kind of any of their um, any of their emotional health and well being needs and, and whatever they wanted to talk about, really. Um, so that really put me in a good stead when I was thinking about uh, applying for assistant psychologist posts. Um, so I was really lucky to get an assistant psychologist post straight after my role there. Um, and that's where I'm working at the moment. So I'm currently working within Black Country Healthcare Trust um, within a service called Action for Children, uh, which kind of covers uh, the area of Staffordshire. And basically, I, I work with young people again, young people and children. And I think I've really found it helpful to work with young people and children, I think, potentially when I when I'm working with young people I kind of reflect on my own experiences of struggling with my, with my mental health when I, when I was a child so I think it, it was just something that I found really kind of um helpful for me as well um so yeah I've been working with young people to kind of support them to do kind of um evidence-based interventions and and supporting them with their well-being um and yeah I've, I've really enjoyed every moment of it and I think it's just been really helpful to be able to kind of have the experience I've, I've had and kind of give back and at the same time. I love that. And actually, I absolutely, like you said, there's something very different about putting your theory into practice, isn't there, for the first time and actually starting to 
do you know I'm guessing what you've been doing is one-to-one work with people um and starting to do that and starting to explore the comfortability of being in a room with somebody and trying to use that time together to make a difference and that's really wonderful experience that you're able to get even before you were doing assistant work it sounds incredible you're starting to make a difference and get that little buzz that we get from you know people saying this is working this is making a difference yeah definitely I think I think it was just kind of helpful to have that first-hand experience but also kind of being able to lean into the experience and actually develop alongside because I feel like with um any kind of role where you work in someone's mental health I think you get a lot of imposter syndrome and I think for me that was a, a big thing especially with my first assistant post where I was thinking I do not belong I've just kind of gotten here by fluke and I think it was really helpful to to learn that actually it's okay to develop as you're working and reflect on your experiences because that's what helps to develop you as a practitioner really yeah absolutely I know that some of our audience will be like well how long did you work in that post then before you got your assistant post and how long after graduation did you get your assistant post can you give us a little bit of kind of time frame if that's okay yeah of course so um when I was kind of volunteering within pause um I was working kind of part-time alongside my undergraduate degree so I think I was working part-time I'd say probably for a year um and then I was lucky enough to kind of be employed by the same service and and I was working with them for two years part-time um and I think for me the the main thing that kind of helped me when I was kind of applying for the assistant psychologist role was I had that that two years of part-time experience which really equated to one full years of experience um but I think for me what helped even more was the service that I was applying to I really was able to kind of cater my experience to that service so having worked with young people and, and using interventions with young people within pause and then applying for an assistant role I was really able to kind of reflect on my experiences and, and how I would be able to kind of manage the differences of working within pause and then working within a different service and I think that really helped me definitely but you know I think one of the difficult things about counting you know whole time equivalents is that um, you know I said it before in the podcast when I did my honorary post um, it equated actually probably to like 10 days which isn't even half a month but because that was spread over probably three or four months the amount of learning and development you know increasing in my confidence I was able to do within that couple of months was amazing you know and I, and you know what we were saying before we began as well was that we really need to be changing and developing and reflecting and in the two-year period you're going to be a very different person um, even from the very extent that your brain is going to be more developed you know in terms of if you went to uni at 18 you come out at 21 by the time you're 23 your brain is almost kind of fully done-ish you know in terms of your frontal lobes and everything you're going to change if you haven't changed a great deal within those two years that would be more worrying but of course you were then because you've been talking talking the talk and walking the walk uh, for two years and doing one-to-one work so even though I hear you on the imposter syndrome I would say that you were most very well qualified and experienced to be able to get um, that assistant post and I'm not at all surprised that you did get it. Yeah I think I think reflecting back now I, I do feel like I was ready at that time and I feel like it helped me to apply at the right time and I, I think using those reflection skills really helped me to think actually I do feel ready now because I was considering it for a while but I thought actually I want to get more out of this role before I do that Um, and it totally resonates with me around how actually even if you're working kind of once every week or like a really kind of sparse amount of time in a different role it really helps because I suppose alongside my current assistant role within Action for Children, I'm, I'm also doing a role swap um, with another um, service. So um, once every fortnight, I go over to the autism assessment team um, and kind of support that team around autism assessments. And actually, although it's once a fortnight, you think, well, that's not a lot of experience, but actually just those kind of first couple of um, times I've done that role swap, but I've actually got so much out of it that you really kind of value that time and and it's not kind of the quantity but the quality of what what you're learning and what you're developing that really helps. That sounds brilliant have you sorted that out yourself informally or is that something that was offered to you? 
Um, so I'd never heard of a role swap before um, and my supervisor kind of introduced me to the idea of it. So um, I'm doing it within the same trust that I'm working in. So what we did is um, uh, we have a kind of assistant psychologist group within the trust and I kind of approached someone who was in another service that I wanted to kind of get some more experience in. And our supervisors kind of met with us and, and we kind of drew up a bit of a contract just to formalize things so um you know i'm getting kind of uh, experience in her service and she's getting experience in mine and we're kind of supporting each other while still being in the same role that we're in so it's kind of having that comf comfort of being in the same service but still getting more experience which i i didn't know existed but it's great I absolutely love that. And that's making me a little bit misty eyed as well, because in the Aspiring Psychologist Collective, I talk about when I was an aspiring psychologist and I came up with this idea of the assistant psychologist skills exchange, which is basically what you're saying. You know, you hang out with other people and kind of do their job with them. Um, but actually you're swapping, which is even better because then you kind of have to kind of get on and do it. And I think, like you said, you know, when you're doing something once a fortnight, still that's twice a month you can still learn so much um and it just gives you you know it thickens your narrative in that area of work so that it's another tick you know because what we're looking at generally not necessarily the people who are employing you but we feel like when we're aspiring psychologists we kind of want to do you know, want to tick off older adults you want to tick off you know children and young people we want to tick off you know intellectual de learning disabilities and um you know autism and, and you know it gives you another thing that just helps you feel like you've got less Achilles heels, you know? So we absolutely go to training with Achilles heels, with things that we know we need to learn and shape and develop and everything should be shaped and developed during training. But, you know, for you to feel like you are, you've earned your stripes enough to be there. I think that's really, really useful. Yeah, definitely. And I think I'm really lucky that I'm in a post right now. That's um, I've been in the post for over a year and my contract keeps getting extended, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it's nice to not kind of be in that position where I have to leave to get to more, more experience, because I think sometimes when you're when you're enjoying an AP job and you have that uh, ability to kind of stay there, actually, it's nice to to explore those different options without having to leave where you're currently at and I think that's a really nice way to get experience and, and understand what what you enjoy doing and and as well as a tick box kind of getting that experience just from finding out what what you enjoy in terms of when you're working as well so that, that's been that's, nice. That is brilliant and actually what you get to do is you get to deepen your relationships with the team you're working in and with your supervisor and managerial staff too because it can feel a little bit like treadmilly can't it with you know people just coming on to a role and then dropping off but um, I know that qualified staff listen to this podcast sometimes too and so this is a way of actually retaining your staff and having your staff be able to think deeper and you know more holistically about the clients and services you're working with so I would urge you um to think about whether you might be able to do um I've forgotten what it's called role swap was it yeah 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 role swap um within your service because it's going to bring value to your service even you know you seeing the way that they set up you know referrals assessments you know talking about team meetings and stuff all of that if you see something that's working well in practice for another service you're more likely to bring that back and that might lead to to rich improvements for your own service too yeah definitely and I think especially at the beginning we've been kind of supporting each other so I'd role swap and um, the other girl in the other service would support me in the role so it's not like you're completely in a new a new place you're kind of being supported and then slowly you can kind of just do the swap completely and I think that can kind of help you feel more supported as well but I do think it, it's really helpful and um, I'm glad I got to know about it so hopefully other people can kind of explore that option as well. Yeah, thank you. Well done to your supervisor. Hats off to them. Um, I'm very excited about that and I know there will be lots of little ears listening to this going oh because um, I was talking just on a on a live yesterday when you get that feeling that you've plateaued and you're like oh no I'm gonna have to start looking for other jobs um, yeah. but maybe this is a way around that you know so thank you so much um, right so we're thinking about culture and faith um, could you tell us a little bit for anybody who doesn't know about Islam could you tell us a little bit about what it involves and perhaps how you slot it into your life before we then begin to think about values um so yeah, as a Muslim, I, I feel like everybody kind of has their own kind of connection with faith. And I think 
I feel like um, Islam is, is is a religion, but it's also a way of life. So I'd say that actually when, when we're thinking about Islam, it's kind of we have our kind of core beliefs, which is the kind of faith in God and, and believe in what, what God has revealed to us and live in our life according to what God's ordered for us and, and what God wants us to do. Um, but I think a big part of that is actually it, it supports your way of life. So it's not just us thinking that actually it's a it's loads of rules and it's loads of things to abide by, but actually it's things that kind of enrich your life. Um, and I think the main kind of um, value and belief that I feel like is important within um, being a Muslim is, is having that faith and actually understanding that when kind of uh, we struggle with things or when things become hard, um, these are things that kind of strengthen our beliefs as a Muslim, but also kind of help us to kind of, um, persevere and help us to kind of get but help us to kind of get through difficult times um, so I suppose when we're talking about being a Muslim I feel like it's it, it can mean we can be on different journeys as a Muslim and I feel like um, it's all about reconnecting to our faith um, so when we're talking about values I feel like that's incredibly important as a Muslim because as Muslim as Muslims we kind of have certain values that we kind of live our lives by but also personal values so when we're thinking about kind of what it means to be a Muslim, um, we kind of think about kind of our faith and, and what, what God wants from us as human beings, but also kind of how we can kind of live our life by our values and do those things as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. So we've spoken about values. Now would be a good chance to introduce the values that we've gone through um, and you've selected for today. So um, we thought it'd be better to do this bit, the bit before off camera, because otherwise it's like, uh, what? You say that bit again? What? What? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've. OK, so the first of our values is acceptance to be open to and allowing of things I dislike or don't want in myself, others and the world around me how that sings out to you and how it's important for you, um, both in terms of your faith culture and your work. Yeah, so I think um, acceptance is a value that I feel like I've started to live by. I feel like when we're living our life by our values, we can kind of um, wane in terms of going back and forth in terms of actually being able to live by our values. But I feel like acceptance is a core value for me in, in terms of faith. I feel like when difficult things, um, when we experience difficult things and, and hard things happen, um, as a Muslim, I feel like actually we we kind of feel that these experiences are, are tests from God and, and actually that they're to kind of help us to kind of move forward in life. And actually when difficulty kind of uh, falls on us, that actually being able to accept what's happened helps you to kind of move on from that. Um, and I, and I feel like it's a big thing with me in terms of my own mental health and, and accepting my own experiences, um, because I feel like there was a time where I might have been kind of challenging how I'd been feeling and, and wanting to forget things or push them away. And I found that the more that I was pushing my experiences away, the more that I was struggling with them and actually having that acceptance of things happen for a reason and, and actually being able to move on from that has, has really helped me. Um, but I also feel like it's kind of helped me in my professional career as well. So I feel like um, there was a time where if I experienced kind of a rejection that I would take that very personally and I'd kind of really reflect badly on myself and have a lot of feelings of shame and, and just feeling like I'm not good enough. Um, and I know I've I've kind of applied for the doctorate course before and, and I know that's something that others might have experienced of where you feel where if your application isn't accepted or if you don't get that job or if you don't kind of if things don't pan out the way that we want them to pan out we really take hold that personally and and we get hung up on it um and I feel when we're able to kind of be more accepting of changes and and I think that's something that I found that when I've been more accepting of changes it's helped me to kind of move on and, and reflect on things and thinking about actually what's kind of led me to this point or, or how can I move on from this and I think previously I was very goal-based when I was thinking about my career so I was very like I need to get an assistant job and then I need to get onto the course and it's all time limited and if it doesn't happen I don't know what I'm going to do um, 
that when I started to be more accepting, um, I found that actually I found more enjoyment in things. I found that actually I could enjoy my assistant job a lot more because I was spending time enjoying my experiences rather than thinking about what's next. Um, so that that's helped me, I think. Good. You were good. Really, really pleased to hear that. And yeah, it's about being able to look sideways as well, isn't it? Not just forwards. And some really important, um, really important um, points you've raised there. Okay. Um, all right. Thank you. So the second of our values is persistence to continue resolutely with your task or challenge despite problems, fears and difficulties. Yeah. So I feel like that does uh, relate to a little bit of what I've talked about in, in terms of acceptance. But I feel like we all kind of go through things in our life where, where we struggle. And I think when I've kind of thought about back to my experiences, I feel like there was a time where I might have struggled with persistence, where I've tried to persist. And, and I felt that actually I wasn't able to live my life according to that value. But actually how when I was able to persist and, and when I was able to kind of um, show persistence, how how effective that was for me. So I know when I was struggling with my mental health, I, I really struggled to kind of move forward and, and to, to, to go forward with things. And I think when I had that ability to persist, it really kind of bettered me as a person, not only just how I was feeling, but kind of made me more, um, I feel resilient as a person. Um and I think it's something that I try to move forward in in my general life when things kind of are difficult. I feel like sometimes I can find it difficult and I might want to give up. But then I, when I do persist, I'm grateful that I have. Um, and I think everybody who's listening would have times in their life where, where they've felt that they've kind of experienced something that was really difficult, whether that be in their personal life or professional. Um, and I think with psychology, it is one of those kind of careers where persistence is really important. Um, we know actually it is a, a competitive kind of place, but actually how when we do persist, we can see those rewards. And I think just persisting in, in what we want to do in our career can be really helpful um, and kind of moving forward with the steps. And even if you do receive news that isn't what, what you wanted to hear, being able to kind of move forward from that shows that persistence. Um, so, yeah, I do feel like we reflect that as, as psychologists. Definitely. And is there some crossover with your faith in terms of persistence as well? What does your faith teach us about persistence, for example? Yeah, so I, I think it's in Islam, there, there's a concept called sabr, which is basically meaning that when we um, go through things that are difficult or when we go through trials and, and tribulations, that when we show persistence and we're able to kind of move forward with things, that actually we're rewarded for that and we're able to kind of get benefits from that and I think it's very much about we do as much as we can to change the situation and, and move forward but in cases where we've done our best and we can't kind of change a situation it's about kind of keeping faith thinking that actually things will get better um, and, and showing that kind of ability to, to move forward when we can and when 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 things aren't um, when we're not able to move forward actually keeping faith helps us to to stay grounded and, and move forward in our lives thank you for that um as we were talking about persistence before off camera we also thought about the other value of patience so now might be an interesting and useful time to think about the value of patience um which is might be versus persistence or in addition to persistence yeah so i, I think i was touching on it a, a little bit towards the end it kind of veered into patience where actually we think about we always kind of persist and push forward but there are points where sometimes the best thing that we can do is be patient and actually um something like acceptance commitment therapy really sits well with me because i feel like we change what we can change and what is in our control but when we um when we're struggling and actually there isn't anything that we can do it is about kind of accepting that and being patient and kind of thinking about actually there isn't anything that I can do to change the situations how do I move forward from here um and when I was talking about persistence in in relation to being a Muslim I, f I feel that patience is really important because we know when 
when we wait and when we keep faith that actually it can be really really helpful to us as 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 people to to understand that sometimes things aren't in our control but what we can do is be patient and kind of persevere and and move forward with things um and i, and I think within psychology um you, you have to be a bit patient and and i know it's one thing that i learned when i did my first uh deaconing application um i didn't realize how patient i'd have to be in terms of finding out when you get if you get accepted if you get an interview it's a long time to to wait but you, you definitely show that patience to be able to kind of wait through um and and persist and, and kind of spend that time to to, to do that absolutely the struggle is real it goes on a long time <laughs> yes <laughs> oh and anybody else who's but you know by the time this episode goes out i think we will just be on the cusp of submissions um for this year so the waiting game um begins so yeah we will come back to that in future as well thank you alicia so the next is curiosity to be curious open-minded and interested eager to explore discover and learn yeah, so I think um, as a Muslim, we're always encouraged to be curious. So it's always about kind of seeking knowledge and, and being curious about what you believe as well. So when we are kind of um, reconnecting to our faith or connecting to our faith, we want to be able to be curious about um, what what our faith means and what our faith means to us. And we're encouraged to kind of seek knowledge and, and develop. Um, so it's not about us just saying, actually, this is what you believe and and that's it but we always are encouraged to kind of go further and, and seek more knowledge and, and think about how that relates to us um and I feel like curiosity for me as as a person is, is really important as well um because I feel like curiosity kind of opens the doors to, to being open-minded so when we're curious about things we can uh, be more accepting we can kind of be um, more tolerant and, and things like that. So I feel like within um, my experience within psychology, being curious has really helped me um, because I feel like I, when, when reflecting back on previous experiences, sometimes I could have been quite rigid minded and thinking actually um, trying to fit people into a formulation rather than the other way around. And I think when we're curious and when we kind of keep an open mind and, and we kind of question things, we can really consider like a whole situation and things and, and how to best support someone, but also how we can kind of move forward with our own career. So when we're kind of curious about what we enjoy, what we find helpful, it helps us to develop as, as a psychologist, but also kind of develop what we want to do going forward. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that one. And next one is contribution, to contribute, give, help, assist, share or be generous. Yeah, so um, I, f I feel like my journey within psychology kind of started on me reflecting on, on wanting to contribute and share my experience, well, share the share what I've learned from my experiences with people. So being able to kind of support other people with their own mental health. And I think for, for many of the um, aspiring psychologists or psychologists, that would be similar in, in wanting to help people and, and make a contribution. And, and I do feel like it's a it's um, a profession which is really re rewarding, which is which is amazing. Um, and, I, and I feel like that kind of extends in, into kind of faith and, and me as a Muslim, because I feel like as as a Muslim, we're, we're kind of encouraged to, to contribute. So we're encouraged to kind of give charity, help others and and support people. Um, so actually, when when I'm working as an assistant psychologist, I feel like I'm living my life as uh, as per my values, not only as a person and as as like um, as a psychologist, but also kind of as a Muslim and, and being able to give back to people, which is really rewarding for me. It must feel like double bubble. Like I often say that I've got the best job in the world, but if you're also like singing from your hymn sheet for your for your faith as well, as well as your own personal and professional kind of passions, it must just feel so, I don't know, uplifting, energizing, all of those good terms. Yeah, definitely. I feel like when you work in a in a profession where you're also able to reconnect to your values but also to your faith it, it does feel like that it feels like a double reward um because i feel like when i'm supporting other people to live life by their values it also helps me to reflect on my values and and what's important to me um and then it's almost like i kind of 
it, that thing where you, you practice where you preach. Uh, and I think sometimes as, as psychologists, we can sometimes give the best advice and, and not take that advice ourselves. And I feel like that's something that's been really important to me is, is being able to relate the things that I use in practice to my own life as well. Um, yeah, which I feel like has made me a better psychologist as well as a, a better person, I think. Absolutely. There's a recent episode I did about, you know, using our own skills to kind of navigate our own mental health. And once we start to do that, it's not it's not rocket science, is it? You know, when, we, the, when the stuff we're saying is brilliant, when we actually use it, we do feel better. You know, of course, we should be doing it and we should make time for it. So, yeah, I totally agree. And the last of our identified values is compassion to be acting kindly towards ourselves and or others when in pain. Um, yeah, so I feel like um, I, I, I've always been quite compassionate towards other people and I feel like um, kind of choosing psychology as a career kind of helped me to, to live my life according to being compassionate. I feel like one of the things that I've always struggled with is, is using that compassion towards myself and I feel like that's a very hard thing to do. Um, but when we are able to do it and we're able to build those skills, it, it makes things so much better and it makes you be able to reflect on things so much better. So I feel like when when I am able to be more self-compassionate, um, I do feel like I get more reward out of things because actually I feel like sometimes we can be quite hard on ourselves um, and we live life according to our values in terms of showing compassion to other people, um, but sometimes don't apply those same values to ourselves. Um, and I think that can be really, really important. Um, so yeah, I, I think that has helped incredibly, I think. It really can. And I know I keep saying about all the stuff that happens off camera and people are like, why can we listen to the off camera stuff? <laughs> that sounds great. One of the least downloaded episodes of this podcast series is the one on kind of self-compassion. And actually that's the, the one that's going to be the difference that makes a difference. So everybody download that one as well, because you're so right. It's so important. Um, just before we finish, because I'm aware of the time, um, I picked up a couple of values that I thought might be useful for us to kind of talk to as one point really really based on my observations of having worked in a central Birmingham service with people um, who um, who follow Islam and um, and I guess you know going to Friday prayers and um, for the male members of the staff I don't know if it's open to women yet I'm not sure it was perhaps culturally naive of me to admit that but at the time when I was there it was it was males only for Friday prayers and stopping and having prayer rooms and things like that and um also, for people not watching on um, YouTube, you're, you're, you're a hijab wearer. Um, and so, you know, I'm aware that, um, you know, there's different thoughts and feelings and expectations of people accessing services about, I guess, um, a number of factors that not always that are not always nice, you know, um, to be to be blunt about that. And I guess I was thinking about assertiveness respect flexibility and freedom you know so to other people to have um freedom of choice um and actions but also being respectful um and your perhaps assertiveness to be able to um stop and say actually i do need to stop now because i need to do this or i can't do that because that's outside of what i what i'm what i believe or what i feel comfortable with um but also whether there's any room for flexibility around some of this is it okay to have a brief conversation about some of that alicia yeah, that sounds like a good conversation. Um, I feel like one of the things to kind of point out is I definitely feel like there are rules with, with all religions and all kind of cultures, I feel like as well. So I feel like we all kind of have um, points of assertiveness and, and things that we kind of morally um, want to want to do or believe. Um, and I feel like that's kind of exists in all of us. And I think... Um, when we're thinking about religion I feel like it's really important to think yeah there's definitely things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do um in terms of what we believe as as Muslims and I feel like when we're thinking about assertiveness I suppose the reason that we do it is because of our devotion to what what we've been told by God and what, what's been instructed by us by God and I think when we're thinking about assertiveness as well I think it's it's helpful to think about things in terms of we have that kind of trust and and belief that the things that have been kind of um that have been decreed to us and the things that we are told to do help us to live a better life and and actually when we're thinking about um being a muslim and we think about kind of giving charity and that's something that's ordained on us and and fasting to kind of um 
consider um, people who are less fortunate and, and all those kind of things. It helps you to reflect on on yourself as a person, but helps you to live a life according to your values and helps you to kind of live as a better person. And I suppose we have that belief that God knows better than us. And I suppose sometimes our kind of desires or the things that we want to do might kind of um, go against our values. And, and it's thinking about how we can live our life according to our values. And, and even if we do things that we're not supposed to do or, th- or doing things that kind of take us away from the, our values, I think a big thing within Islam is is being able to to notice that and and then um, seeking forgiveness for it, for it, but then kind of going back to um, living our life by our values. So I feel like sometimes when we're thinking about things, it's about how actually we know that we all kind of at points in our lives go go move away from our values. Um, but the important part is is kind of noticing that and coming back because we know nobody's perfect and, and it's hard when we kind of hold ourselves to perfection. But when we understand that actually as humans, we we aren't perfect and we can't do things all the time then we're more likely to kind of reflect on on ourselves and and then being able to um, live our life by our values more um and I feel like that's where kind of forgiveness kind of comes in but also uh freedom as well uh we we believe that everybody has the freedom to choice so everybody has the freedom to believe what they want to believe and there's no kind of um force or there's no kind of uh, compulsion within religion so you are kind of held accountable for what you do but if if you don't if you don't believe in Islam or if you don't kind of believe in those things you have a freedom to do that Uh, but I suppose that's that's then your kind of responsibility but it doesn't mean that um you don't have the freedom to kind of um choose um and yeah, I think that that then ties into respect. Um, and I think a big thing that we're taught is, is respecting people despite their differences. So no matter what your kind of religion or culture, that actually we should treat people with respect and, and kindness. And um, that's something that I suppose when you kind of look at the life of the prophet, peace be upon him, he, he kind of showed that within his life work. And I think we kind of take our role model as how we should be living as Muslims and what our value should be. Um, from the prophet and that's how we kind of aim to live our lives um so yeah I feel like that might have touched upon uh the different parts but I think from my reflections as a Muslim that's what what I would believe um but yeah brilliant thank you and thank you for also mentioning fasting because that's a a very big and important part um of your faith um and something that you know I've supported clients through as well and I always um from my perspective it, I feel like I would dread that time of the year, but actually all of the clients that I've worked with love it. You know, they yeah. find it really energizing. They find it a really nice time to come together with their families and their community. Um, and they really feel that it's a privilege and they really yeah. enjoy it and benefit from it. Yeah, definitely. And and I think when you when you think about fasting, everyone's thinking, oh, you can't eat and drink for a really long time. And, and that's true. And I think when, when we think about Ramadan, it's more than in than just fasting. So I suppose when we're in Ramadan, it, it's, it's a time of reflection and, and reconnecting to faith. And I feel like that's a time where we kind of remove distractions. So we try our best to refocus. And I think the reason that we enjoy it so much is because it gives us that chance to live our life by our values and reconnect. And I think sometimes life takes over and and sometimes we move away from our values, but that having that time sometimes helps us to realize kind of why our values are important to us, but then also being able to kind of um, reconnect and thinking about reflection as well because I think it's a big period of time where we reflect on ourselves and where we want to be but also reflecting on those who are less fortunate to us and and helping those as well so kind of like um, giving charity and, and things like that is something that's a, a big part of our religion to help other people. Lovely thank you so much and um, before we finish when we're working in services, you know, we have the right to um, receive dignity, respect and no hostility um, from people. But when I've worked in services, that hasn't always been the case. And so it's just for us to to pay lip service to the fact that if you're not feeling like people are respecting you, regardless of your culture, regardless of your background, or perhaps in spite of your culture and background, that you don't need to tolerate any kind of substandard treatment from service users. And certainly within the the NHS is a zero tolerance um, 
process um, for accepting that. And that it's, I'm thinking it's a criminal offence to um, to rule people out and single people out because of their culture and their faith. Um, and I hope that's not cropped up for you. But I know that in modern Britain, certainly, that's not always the case for, for all Muslims. Yeah, um, I think... When, when I'm reflecting on my own experiences, I feel like it has been the case sometimes. And I think sometimes it's very hard to um, identify, I think, because I feel like when we're thinking about diversity and um, inclusion, I feel like um, we are now kind of more diverse in, in, in the psychology profession and, and within the UK. But I suppose when we're thinking about um, discrimination and things like that, I feel like within the UK, it, it can be quite subtle. Microaggressions. Yeah, definitely. That's a word. Yeah. Um, And I think sometimes it's very hard to kind of pinpoint and address when they are microaggressions. But I feel like they can be just as harmful as things that are kind of more straightforward and and obvious. But I think when when we are thinking about our differences in cultures, I, I, I do feel like when we're thinking about service users, it can sometimes really really help when we're working with service users to think about what what you know our social graces and 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 thinking about the service users social graces and thinking about kind of the impact of culture religion and and loads of different kind of um diversities um but i suppose when we're working with clients we can kind of come come across that where we do kind of experience those microaggressions and i think it's it's important to reflect on that and i think in my own experiences i've done my best as i can as a a practitioner but then kind of reflecting back in supervision and and thinking actually that's not something that I I should have to tolerate so so where do we go from from here and I think supervision is a great place I think to be able to to identify um how that affects us because I think sometimes within sessions we can think about kind of the impact on the service user but when you're kind of being on the receiving end of microaggressions and and potential discrimination that's going to affect affect you as as a person and I think that's where we can kind of identify how things can change or how you can be supported with that um which I think is really important as well um but yeah sorry I've completely forgot what the original question was that's all right you did really well I was just trying to google the name um because when you mentioned social graces I was trying to remember his name but it's John Burnham and his work around social graces and if anyone knows John um, I have invited him on the podcast and I haven't heard back, but I'd love to have him on the podcast. So um, I have had the fortune of being taught by him a couple of times um, and I'd love to have him on. So if you are working in a service with John Burnham, give him a prod and invite him on the podcast and get him to get in contact with me. Alicia, thank you so much for today. It's been such um, a richly enjoyable, rewarding um podcast episode I've really really enjoyed it it's been lovely getting to know more about you um, and your culture and your faith and your work as well um, if I could give out deeply inside places you know I'd give you one um, because I think you sound so ready for training you really sound very thoughtful and um, com- competent and professional and you know I feel like our young people are in safe hands with you Thank you for so much for having me. I think I feel really special for, for being able to kind of come on and, and share my experiences. Um, but yeah, if you were giving out Declan uh, places, I'd, I'd, I'd take one. So yeah. <laughs> well, wishing you all the best with the upcoming season. You know, I don't know if you've got your application in already or whether you're about to to, to get that ticked off and sent off. Um, you don't have to queue at the post office like I did now. It's, it's more of an electronic <laughs> process. Um, but yeah, wishing you the best of luck with this. And yeah, um, do stay in my world. Please stay interactive with my stuff on LinkedIn because I always love our little chat. So thank you so much for joining me and for being our first aspiring psychologist on the Aspiring Psychologist podcast, which took me almost 10 months. <laughs> thank you so much. It was, a, it was a pleasure to be able to be on here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found that as you know invigorating and interesting and inspiring as I did. Um, I feel excited for Alicia's future. If you have really liked the idea of aspiring psychologists being on the Aspiring Psychologist podcast and you think you've got an interesting story to tell and you'd like to talk to me about 
about it and talk to our listeners about it, then please do slip into um, my DMs on my socials. You can find me, Dr. Marianne Trump, most places. Please do come and connect. Um, I do really enjoy helping you celebrate your wins. Um, so please do connect with me. Um, and if you would welcome even more support and encouragement, do think about coming along to the Aspiring Psychologist membership, um, where you can join us for £30 a month. And we think about ways of advancing you professionally and personally. We've got all sorts of good stuff in there, including monthly CBT formulation and skills, as well as other guest sessions from other specialist people each month too, looking at research, psychodynamic approaches, systemic um, cat approaches and loads more as well as your weekly chance to catch up with me um, ask me any questions you like and of course our monthly group zooms as well with me um, so yeah there's absolutely loads going on it's a lovely place to be so do please give it some consideration if you think it might be a good fit for you for more information check out the show notes or you can check out any of the links in my bios on my socials in the meantime, do come and join us in the Aspiring Psychologist Community free group on Facebook. And we can talk about this episode and how perhaps your intersectionality um, crops up for you in psychology. So, yeah, thank you again for being part of my world. And, yeah, I'll look forward to catching up with you in our next episode, which will be available from 6 a.m. on Monday. Take care of you. If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. With this podcast at your side, you'll be on your way to being qualified. It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast with Dr. Marianne Trent. My name is Diakalola Amujam. I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book, as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.